Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Often we judge the character of a person by what they have done, what they have accomplished. We might look at a person's uh, resume, maybe that's something that uh, you are always seeking to build up, and uh, because employers are often looking at what you have done, what you have accomplished, where you're at right now. Are you a stable person, able to keep at the, at the task, at the craft, or whatever it may be that you are tasked with? Of course, the less desirable of persons would be those who have relatively simple resumes. Or even worse yet would be if it were revealed that you were the impulsive type. If the disciples were to be judged by these standards, we might wonder how they got the job to begin with. How is it these mere fishermen now do the bidding of the Messiah, the Savior of the world? They're the sort of people who don't become anything greater than what they are. On the surface, that sounds insulting, but you all know it to be a kind of truth. And this bears out even today. Some will remain what they've always been, but that's not always a bad thing, is it? Fishermen who remain fishermen can not only feed themselves and their family, but their whole community. That's no small thing. It's actually a pretty big thing, a pretty important thing. But what the disciples do with their already seemingly meager lives is to blow it up. They seemingly throw it away. The act to follow Jesus doesn't come off well, but actually rather impulsive. No thought, it seems, is given to how this will impact their lives or that of their families. They just leave. Jesus says to Simon and Andrew, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And to James and John, Jesus calls them likely with similar language, similar words, And they also not only leave the nets in which they are mending, but also their father and the hired servants and the entire business, as it were, to go and follow Jesus. We might then put into question the very character of these disciples, whether they are in fact good people or actually quite evil and wrong, bad people. But we would be mistaken to simply equate their leaving as weakness or some kind of rebellion. Jesus, after all, doesn't change their job description all that much, except from fish to men. Okay, well, that's kind of a lot, right? Granted, it's a significant thing, but it's not as much as you'd think. They are still fishers. Jesus says as much. Only they will use the gospel of God to bring men, meaning all the people of the world, into the church. And the church is often illustrated through the imagery of a boat. Since Noah and his family survived the great flood on the boat, on the ark. And God used that massive boat, that ark, to preserve their lives. And the church has acquired the same status to today. The same status as the place of refuge. The same status as the place where our lives are preserved through God's mercy, and through his grace. And these disciples, 
They are not leaving only for themselves as some kind of entrepreneurs, but they are accountable to a greater father than the ones of their flesh and blood, but to God the Father. And they are to do the will of God the Son, Jesus, as he directs them. And so they will go out, and instead of mending nets, these men will mend the corrupted preaching of their day with useful words filled with the Holy Spirit. They will catch men like fish, not with the lures of financial gain or the bait of an easy life. Rather, they will preach to men's hearts so that there is no other stream of living water for which they would prefer. In our minds, however... We cannot escape, we cannot separate the impossibility of this scene from the reality as we know it. We are sinners, after all, and sinners are cynics at heart. How is it that in one instance, these men are leaving behind what is certain, being fishermen, fishing, for what is uncertain, being fishers of men? And to do so without hesitation, it all seems very unlikely. And that would be all very true if this were not such an unusual encounter. Their encounter with Jesus seems to imply that faith is to be the norm. Faith is to be the norm and unbelief is to be the outlier. The text turns our conception of faith on its head because what we see in the world is great unbelief. Not following Jesus is the norm we know and we subscribe to. But it is not the norm. It is not the norm that God has prepared us for. God has prepared us to be inclined toward his word. Since long ago, the scriptures recorded the covenant that God made with the house of Israel, saying this, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and, they will be, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. They will be my people. The law of God is written upon everyone's heart. And that is how we know good from bad. Even those who reject Jesus know the difference, at least in part. St. Paul says as much as he writes about the Gentiles. He says, that they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts in their conflicting thoughts where they are accused and even as they excuse themselves. So what the disciples do is extraordinary. They show us the utility of what is simple and make what is easily dismissed an unavoidable matter of life. That is to say, they show us what great faith is like and how they do it not to the fanfare of earthly praise, but to the glory of God. They simply follow Jesus because he told them to do so. And from this, they will become fishers of men who speak to the law of God written upon everyone's hearts. They will make known to the world what is evident from within, that they are to be God's children. They will preach how we are designed from God's love to be his beloved. They will show the world Jesus, who for us fulfills the law's requirements perfectly. 
that what is written upon our hearts to do for salvation is only completed by the one who can actually complete our salvation, Jesus Christ, your Savior. This makes more significant the preaching of Jesus in our text today. As he came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, Jesus declared, the time has been fulfilled. The time has been fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. It is right here, right here in the preaching of Jesus that the shores of Galilee touch the soil of our own lives. The fishermen who Jesus calls from their boats today exist as mere preachers calling people into the church by the same gospel of God. The message then is the same one today. Jesus has come into the world. Jesus is king of the world. Turn away from your sins, which the law has exposed from your heart, and believe in the gospel, which gives sinners forgiveness and peace with God. Jesus says it more succinctly. He's less wordy than I. He simply just says, repent and believe. Today, today you left your homes to follow Jesus. Some of you might not understand why you're here. You just are. Others of you might have come because that's the way of life that it has been for you for quite some time. You probably don't even really think about it all that much. Without compulsion, the world, and us included, cannot help but to encounter Jesus, to wrestle with our heart's innermost conflicts, to ask questions bigger than our existence, and to follow where our sinful flesh forfeits to God's grace. Jesus shared every good gift of God's love with his first disciples. And this is why he told them to make other disciples, that even more, that you would share also in that same love. The calling of the first disciples is an important story. It's an important story because it details God's divine love for ordinary people. God's love is no generic thing. If it were, the fishermen would not have followed Jesus. They would not have left their boats to become a disciple. But as it stands, God's love for the world is extraordinary, as is his love for each and every one of you. Our text emphasizes this much. Our text emphasizes that whatever is left behind by the righteous is anything which Jesus has called us away from to leave their fishing businesses and their father behind in order to follow Jesus is not easily explained. But it is the way in which it happened. It did happen in this way for the disciples who were called by Jesus. So what about you? What about you has Jesus called you to leave, to flee from? Might we make the 51st Psalm our own? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God. The law written upon our hearts reveals that we have only left God with our worst selves, and we have not always followed where Christ has called us to go. We are unclean sinners. But so were the first disciples who became Jesus' fishers 
of men and the church's first pastors. When we read the Bible, it is clear that they also were not clean of heart. And this Jesus resolved by his crucifixion, not only for them, but for the world and for you and for all people. The law of God has exposed our sin and the desperate need we have for our Savior. And the gospel of God is Jesus. It is Jesus calling us out from our worldly boats into his church, that we would become his disciples, that we would be made righteous, that we would become the righteous ones of a renewed and clean heart, following him for our salvation's sake. We depend upon Jesus to help us leave whatever prevents us in following him. Even though we enter this world in sin, and the law of God has made us certain to this truth, the gospel of God reminds us that Jesus has called us to repentance and faith. Jesus has died for you and has taken away all your sins. He has called you to leave what is certain by the world's standards and to repent and follow him into what is certain in heaven. You are not alone in this endeavor. Jesus has called you to be his disciple. And as his disciples, you are never without Jesus. Whatever you might face in this life and whatever you would strive to leave behind, Jesus goes before you. Jesus makes all who follow him greater than they once were, not by any power from within, but by grace from him. We become greater by his grace, knowing Jesus and following him by faith, daily repenting and believing in him, leaving the things of this world for the greater things of God's kingdom, trusting that where he leads us is where we want to follow. May God grant this for us and to us for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.